Hey, it's Brent Griffiths and Paul Almeida back in the studio to do another podcast. And uh, hey, how you doing? I'm doing well, Brent. How are you? Fine, thank you. You know what? We haven't done a podcast since the end of November. So December, January, February, and now we're into March, almost four months. And it has been, uh, it's been a long time since we've got together, but a lot has happened in these last few months. One of the things that we talked about on our last podcast was we were having to pull the pin on the World Juniors that were coming up next year. Actually, it's this year into next year Yep. in Russia because there were a lot of reasons. But now we have the situation, unfortunate situation, and uh, it's a traumatic situation that's going on in Ukraine in the war between Ukraine and Russia it's really kind of changed the dynamics of an awful lot. But before we go too far on that, Paul, obviously our thoughts go to everybody who's being affected by this because it's really an awful situation. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we feel for the people over there. Um, some of the scenes that we see on uh, TV nightly, it's just a nightmare. And I can't imagine being in a war zone like that. So absolutely, our thoughts are with them uh, going forward for sure. Okay, let's let's talk about the fact that we pulled the pin on the World Junior Hockey Championship coming up in Russia. So we decided, because there's been a lot of interest and people have been asking, well, are you going to do something a little different? Because we want to, we want, after going through this pandemic, all of a sudden people want to travel again, Paul. Oh yeah, people have been calling, uh, asking when we're going to start doing tours again, uh, looking forward to traveling, looking forward to going back to Europe and uh meeting some of the people that they've been on tours with before and uh, sharing new and exciting experiences. And an amazing thing happened. You, myself, Marty Forbes got together, yep. had a Starbucks, had a coffee. That's not amazing. The amazing part was Paul bought. That was uh, <laughs> that was amazing to me. That might have been rare. Yes, it was. One of those rare moments, and that's why I remember it so vividly. But we were all sitting down, and we were chatting about the fact that, you know what, let's, uh, let's do something a little special in Europe and we came up with this tour package. I love it. It's fantastic. Yeah, the Europa Classico, we're calling it. And it's a tour of Italy, Germany, Austria, and Hungary uh, in the fall of 2022. So we're leaving September 10th. Okay. Uh, from Edmonton, flying uh, directly to uh, Rome. And then uh, the tour will end in Budapest, Hungary on the 24th. And we're flying KLM. So nice uh, connection going from Edmonton to Amsterdam. Amsterdam to Rome, and then back the same way through uh, Amsterdam from Budapest to Edmonton. And the interest level on this has been very good. I've been very impressed with everybody, and it's a it's a tour that I think we're we're going to have a lot of fun with. Marty and I and yourself will be hosting. And right now, we're getting a lot of really good friends, people that we've toured with before that are stepping up and they want to be part of this. And we're also getting a lot of interest from other people. Oh, yeah. We're up already over uh, 70% sold out on the tour. We we're planning to take uh, around the mid-30s in terms of the number of people on the tour. And I don't think it's going to take very long for us to sell the tour out from now. And uh, interest has been great from people on our priority list, people that went on our World Junior Tours before. Yeah. And... Uh, also, friends of, uh, uh, you know, others who have enjoyed our tours as well are starting to call and inquire about joining the tour. Here's the thing we got to tell everybody about, and that is we got to step up big time. We don't have very many spots left. No. But now is the time, and we'll tell you about the tour coming up here in a second, but now is the time to get a hold of you, anybody out there that's even remotely interested in this, 
And this is step up time because we've got to have a decision pretty quick. Yeah, they can call me 780-906-7110. They can email me paul at azorcan.net, A-Z-O-R-C-A-N.net. And uh, on our website as well, on the main page, you'll see information on the tour. There's a little video there. Uh, there is also a, uh, the podcast will be there as well as we have the itinerary that you can download and uh, see day by day what we're doing and where we're going. And uh, on there as well, there is a contact where you could fill out your information and submit it to us to uh, join the tour. Okay, so what do people have to do to say, I'm in, I want to do this? What do they have to do to get to get rolling? At this point, to reserve a, a seat on the tour, you just need to put a deposit down, uh, $500. You can e-transfer it or send a check. And okay. that would guarantee you a spot on the tour. And uh, that's it. You're ready to go. Okay, let's talk about the trip. You mentioned that the flight, the initial outbound is on the 10th of September, Edmonton to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Rome. So now we're in the Eternal City. Is it yeah. the City of Lights? No, that's uh, no, it, that's Paris. That's it's Paris. The yeah, the this Eternal is the, City is the Eternal Rome. City. Okay, and yeah. uh, we'll be arriving there uh, in Rome. Uh, we'll meet our guide and bus, and uh, we'll go to. They're doing they're doing construction in the studio next door. I don't know if anybody can hear it, but it's, uh, it's hey, it's funny. a good sign as far as we're concerned. So uh, Bob the Builder, I should go and yeah. tell him to knock it off a little bit. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, Paul. so we'll arrive in Rome. We'll meet our guide and bus. We'll go to the hotel. We'll have dinner that night. Get settled in. Uh, maybe go for a little walk if uh, you're still got some energy and want to take a look around the neighborhood that we're in. Yeah. And uh, then the next morning, uh, we're ready to go. And we meet uh, our bus in the morning and our guide, and we do a tour of uh, Rome, um, starting with a tour of uh, ancient Rome, going through uh, the Trajan's Markets, the Forum. We're going to see some of the old uh, temple ruins. Uh, all the way to the Colosseum. And the Colosseum, of course, is very famous. It's where the gladiators used to fight. Um, and, uh, of course, it's not still intact. A lot of the marble has been repurposed over the years. People steal it off the Colosseum to build other buildings or, or, or use it to uh, uh, repurpose to, you know, do statues and other things. But uh, the Colosseum is still an awe-inspiring site when you see it, when you walk up to it, when you go into it. Yeah. Um, the the history of that whole area just walking through the roman forum seeing the the temples um where the senate used to meet palatine hill is up on the side there yep uh, some of the triumphal arches that are there uh, it's just unbelievable and uh something that you'll never forget of course we've all seen movies where they tried to depict ancient rome and what it used to look like and everything else well we're going to be walking through those same areas that have been depicted on movies for, you know, many years now. Right. And walking in the footsteps of Julius Caesar and, uh, you know, Roman gladiators and Roman emperors. Don't turn your back on anybody, by the way, on the steps. No. If you're if you're following the footsteps of Julius Caesar. That's not, right. Yeah, not a great idea. Uh, do we still have our meet and greet with Sophia Loren on? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I just want to know because you're mentioning <laughs> ancient Rome, and that's the first thing Is I thought she, of. Oh, you're thinking of her as ancient Roman? Well, yeah, kind of. Oh, yeah, okay. she's uh, she's been around the uh, the Colosseum a, a, a couple <laughs> of times. 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 So the Circus Maximus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But what an actress. But anyway, there's all sorts of things. I, you know, I'm actually looking forward to. I've been to Rome really quick. It was like a one day, so I've seen some things. But I always wanted to go to uh, Vatican City. 
Yeah. Are we going to be doing that? Yeah, well... I'd like to see the Sistine Chapel before they repaint. Yeah, well, first of all, the afternoon after our ancient Rome tour, we have the afternoon free. Okay. And on my website, um, we have a page uh, called Media. And on that page, we have a walking tour that you can do that afternoon from the Piazza del Popolo. You'll be able to go to the Spanish Steps, the Trevi Fountain. Piazza Navona, Campo de Fiori, and end at Castel Sant'Angelo. It's just something you could do on your own. Right. You know, I'll go as well. So if you want to follow me through the route, you can. Uh, the Pantheon Can we pop well. in for a pop with the Pope when we're there? Is yes. that going to be, can, you're working on that one? We'll work on that for okay. sure. Yeah. Super. I, I'm sure that'll be very easy to, to I'm do. I'm sure it shouldn't right. be that tough. Um, so yeah, the next morning, as you mentioned, we're doing the Vatican. And uh, we're going to Vatican City. Uh, again, when you step into that square uh, and stand in the middle and you see the columns all line up, there's four columns on each side of the square right? Uh, on the portico. But when you stand in the very middle, all the columns line up and it, all, it looks like it's only one on each side. And then, of course, in front of you, you've got St. Peter's Basilica. You've got the papal residence. And uh, we are going to the back part where the museum is, and we're going to do a tour of the Vatican Museum. The amount of pieces of art, tapestries, statues, you name it, that the Roman Catholic Church has acquired over the years, so has, you know, had famous artists like Michelangelo, Leonardo, uh, they commissioned them to do uh, projects is astounding i mean i mean it's uh, they only have a portion of the artwork that they own on display and it's still overwhelming right extremely overwhelming could you imagine on a sistine chapel if they stippled or uh, wallpapered instead yeah. of doing what they've done yeah it wouldn't look the same do brand. i say that joke every time we talk about yes, it you do okay yes. sorry about that all right but you know the sistine chapel to me is uh, is amazing because uh you know the first time i went there you look up and you think of that famous uh, piece of art of Adam reaching out with his finger to yes. touch uh, the finger of God. Yeah. It is so small. It is one of many yeah. uh, different frescoes on the ceiling painted by Michelangelo of the Sistine Chapel. And when you look at it as a, a total art artwork, yeah. it's just, it amazes me that he laid on his back up against that ceiling painting meticulously all these different scenes from the Bible. And uh, the Sistine Chapel, of course, as everybody knows, it's where the Pope is elected when uh, there is a new Pope to be elected. Yep. Uh, they lock them in there. That's why it's called Conclave with the key. And uh, once the Pope is elected, they have little pieces of paper. They vote for who their choice is for Pope. And once they get a, a, a certain number of votes, a percentage of votes, then that person is declared the Pope. Now, are you going to talk about the smoke? The, yeah, the interesting thing is the little, you know, uh, fireplace they have. Yeah. So, can when, you see that? By the way, is that right there? You no, know, I, I can't. You know, that's something I can't remember, Brent. Okay. I, I can't remember. I don't think it's right in the chapel, uh, but I can't remember. I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna look for it now. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, they have the little fireplace, and they put the ballots in there uh, when the Pope is uh, not elected. And, of course, you get black smoke. Yeah. When the Pope is elected, uh, they add a powdery substance to the ballots, and the smoke comes out white. That tells people who are waiting out in the square 
to see if a new pope has been elected that, yes, a new pope has been elected and he will be revealed to the world on the balcony shortly. So, uh, again, so much history there. And then from there, you know, you go to St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. And St. Peter's is awe-inspiring. Again, unbelievable works of art, including the Payetta from uh, Michelangelo. Uh, You have the altar uh, with, uh, you know, St. Peter uh, in the back of the church there. Right. And just to be in there. And, and, you know, again, we've seen it on television and we've seen it in movies that the, the Vatican and then you walk out and you see the, you know, the Swiss guards oh, yeah. wearing their colorful outfits and their spears. You know, it's just uh, those are things that unless you're there and seeing it in person, you just don't get you, that feeling of what you're it's right. like to be there. Here's there's a couple of things. One, we're not going to tell everybody everything we're doing because you can go to the website and take a look oh, yeah, at it for sure. A couple of things that I want to hit on here, and that is, so my better half has never been to Europe before. And so I keep telling her about all these little historical things. And for her, that's just out of a book. Yep. So now she's going to have that opportunity to step into a square or walk some streets, see some statues, uh, and go to historical places where the history suddenly comes alive, which is my favorite part of Europe. That's uh, it's where history comes alive. And a lot of what we live with and live through in Canada and through the United States, a lot of that is born out of what's happened there historically. So that's one thing. The other thing about our package and the tour is you've got some great tours, but you've also done a great job of leaving in opportunity for people to walk a city on their own. And for me, there's no better place to see a city like this than to walk it. Oh, absolutely, Brent. And, uh, you know, that's why we have the afternoon free on both days in Rome. Right. You know, we do the ancient Rome tour one morning, we have lunch, and then you're free the rest of the day. Uh, Again, I have that suggested itinerary for you to hit all the major sites at your own pace. You can sit and have a coffee. You can go into a restaurant, have a nice meal. You can have a gelato as you're walking around. You can stop for an espresso shot. Uh, you know, just enjoy the neighborhoods. And again, a place like Rome, you turn around, you're going to find something interesting. You're going to run into something interesting. You know, and, and I've been there a few times and in doing my research time after time, I'm always astounded by something major that I didn't see. Right. And I'm like, you know, I got to go there. But isn't the part of the fun of traveling? Oh, absolutely. Is that you're not going to see it all and it no. gives you a reason to go back. Yeah, when you're traveling, it's like it's like having a big onion when you go into a city. Yeah. And you're peeling back the onion, but you never get to the center. No. You and know? you might cry a little. <laughs> You'll cry when you leave. But, you know, you're peeling back that onion, trying to find all these little gems and all these little areas and interesting things you want to see and do. But unless you live there for a month or two months to explore a city like Rome, uh, one or two days... You know, you're seeing all the major sites that you want to see and you're, you know, having time to walk around, enjoy the ambiance, enjoy the people. Um, but, you know, you're not going to see everything. That's no. impossible. Hey, I've been to London 18 times. Yeah. And I still haven't seen all of it. And I always find something, some little gem every time I go. So if this is your first trip into Rome, keep it somewhat basic, have some fun, take in the atmosphere. People watch is another thing I love doing in these oh, big absolutely. places. 
But I can hardly wait. We're doing other places, though, too, right? Not yep. just Rome. We are. And, uh, you know, from, from Rome, we're going to be driving up to Tuscany. And uh, going into Tuscany, of course, is a very famous part of Italy. Everybody, you know, knows about the Tuscan hillsides, the countrysides, the greenery, you know, the wines oh, yeah. and everything else. And, the you know, the villages with the bricks and the, the, the clay pottery tiles on the roofs you know that's the vision we all have of tuscany yeah and we're going to go through that area uh we're going to go to the town of siena uh which again when you see siena and it's all in in the hills and you see the red brick of the buildings it's tuscany okay and you get in there we'll do a nice walking tour of the medieval t uh, city and in the square of the medieval city they hold something really unique twice a year called the palio all right. And the Palio is a horse race. Uh, they pick 10 of the 17 districts of Siena. And they put sand in the square. People can be in the middle of this track that they build around the edges of the square. I'm sure I've seen this in a movie or oh, two. Oh, absolutely. Right? And I mean, you could look it up, just put in Palio, P-A-L-I-O, right. Siena, and it'll come up. And so each district of the city enters a horse in the race and a jockey. And that's where we get the silks that the horse racing jockeys wear today. By the colors? Is the colors. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, each district of the city has a flag, each medieval district. And so when the jockeys represent the district in the race for many years, they wore the colors of the district. So you gotcha. can easily identify them as the race is going on. And uh, uh Siena itself, the square is huge. It's fantastic. And we can, you know, we won't be there during the Palio, but we can just stand there and imagine what it would be like to be there during the Palio uh, with, you know, tons of people squished into the middle of the square, the uh, track around the outside, uh, people against the walls on the outside, and have these horses flying around in the square. Um, the town itself is also beautiful. I mean, it's a, a, a Tuscan. It's what you think of when you think of Tuscany. Narrow alleys, you know, these beautiful brick buildings, right. interesting doors with, uh, you know, different knockers. You know, one will have a, a pig, one will have a, a wild boar, <laughs> one will have a dog, one will have a wolf. I mean, you could, I know people that love to take pictures of doors. Mm-hmm. And a place like Siena for them, or the next place we go to, San Magnano, they take these pictures of doors and they frame them. And at home, there there are the art pieces. You know, when you get those art pieces of the door, oh and yeah, the, you know the little uh, you know uh, black boar stuffed black boar sitting there. You know, you might as well take the picture, right? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Siena is a fantastic place to go. From there, we're going to go to. Uh, San Gimignano and San Gimignano is a smaller medieval town up on a on a hill. Okay, and the interesting part about San Gimignano is the towers in the in the town, and of course during the medieval times, uh, you know the, the Griffiths clan builds a tower, and you know the Almeida clan next door sees it and says, you know, we've got to build a bigger tower to show how much more wealthier and powerful we are than the Griffiths. And then so on and so on and so on. I'm not so sure what, that's how it worked, but okay. So what they have in that town is they have all these medieval towers that, uh, you know, look over the uh, the surrounding area. And uh, there's also a little gelato shop there that says it, ha it won the prize as the best gelato in Italy. So you got to have a little ice cream there as I well. I got gotcha. you. 
Uh, my tower is bigger than yours, but that's another story for another time. Uh, that, but yours is leaning. That's uh, the difference. Y- yes, it is. Uh, there's helpful. Never mind. Um, hey, well, let's just keep moving right along. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that we'll just be uh, talking about on the bus trip. I know that. Okay. So what else we got going well, on? Well, from San Gimignano on the way to Florence, uh, we're going to stop at an agroturismo, which is a farm uh, that... Uh, People can actually stay there and they can work on the farm and do that sort of thing. We're not doing that, but we're going to visit them um, and their restaurant. They're going to show us some of the products that they produce on the farm, uh, some of the wine, some of the olive oil. Uh, we're going to do a wine tasting and then we're going to have a you know, really nice meal there. So that's a, a really nice visit to, to get a flavor of what, uh, you know, I'm just checking, Paul. We are 21 minutes into this thing, and that's the first time you've used used the term wine tasting. Well, there you go. We got a couple. I'm shocked. Yeah, it's going to be really good, and uh, uh, we'll taste four or five wines for sure. And I'm sure there'll be some wine available for dinner as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, from there, we'll go to Florence, check into Florence at our hotel there. Probably have some time to go for a late evening walk in the downtown if people uh, want to. And then the next morning. Uh, we have our walking tour of Florence, and Florence, uh, of course, is uh, very famous for uh, the Renaissance, its importance in the Renaissance, and then Renaissance art, Renaissance music, um, and then there's famous, uh, you know, the Duomo is very famous there, the Ponte Vecchio, the old bridge yep. uh, that has the little shops, uh, little homes on them uh, from medieval times where uh, the shops used to be gold and silver merchants right on the bridge. Uh, the Duomo is one of the nicest uh, cathedrals in Europe from the outside. It's a white marble with green and red uh, accents. Uh, the baptistry uh, that is next to the Duomo has golden doors that are very famous, um, something also to, uh, to take in. And then Florence itself, the markets, you know, uh, leather. You know, I know you want to get the leather suit. Uh, I've the, always the, wanted the a triple-breasted leather suit, you know, with the boots and the yeah. belt and the matching hat. Perfect for Edmonton in the month of January. Yeah, it would be very, very uh, be a little you, brisk. Yeah, you might uh, crack the the leather, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we can get you all leathered up there. Actually, the nice thing there that they have is leather bags. Okay, beautiful leather bags, beautiful leather belts. Um, also, a lot of tapestries, uh, a lot of things there. But great markets just to walk through and see all the different goods and even if you buy a wallet there uh you know it's a nice little souvenir from venice to have something leather from there and uh you know of course there's two you know very important things to see there if you want during your free time one is the uffizi gallery which is an important uh, art gallery uh, it's called the uffizi because it used to be the offices of the 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 family the ruling family the medicis okay and uh, the other one is if you want to go see the statue of david that's at the academia so it's a different uh, uh gallery that you have to go to to see uh, he's the, the guy without arms is he not the is he the armless one no that's the venus de oh that's sorry wrong one yeah, yeah. sorry that's I'm, hey listen i'm learning i'm trying to learn here <laughs> and then uh you know from there uh, we were going to go to... Did you take me seriously there for a minute? I didn't know what you were okay, thinking. All right. I didn't want to go there because I didn't know where you were going with no, it. exactly. So Let's from there, we're going to Pisa that afternoon. Okay. And uh, of course, Pisa is very famous for the Square of Miracles where the Leaning Tower is. Um, and the tower has been leaning since they first built it. Uh, 
you know, a few years ago, they uh, did some work to keep it from leaning further so right. that it wouldn't fall over. Um, people used to be able to go up the tower and look over until a couple of people had a few, a couple of accidents where they fell off the tower. So now they've put a rail and uh, limited the number of people that can go up there. Don't you find it incredible that people, this is like a pilgrimage to go see shoddy workmanship. It is. Really, when you think about it. It is. It just, uh, but I'm excited about that. I'm looking very much forward to going. It's an interesting tower. And, and the thing that people don't realize is that the Leaning Tower is actually the bell tower of the church right. in the square. And then there is also a round building, which is the baptistry. Okay. So when you see a lot of the different churches in Europe, uh, especially in Italy, you'll see that there are three parts to the church. There's the baptistry, the main church, and then the bell tower. Do you find that people are surprised how small it is as opposed to, or people I think think it's a lot bigger than it is? Or, I, or, or am I just imagining that or I'm just preparing myself yeah, for it's, that? It's not super tall, but you got to remember back when it was built, it would have been it was, tall. A, it was a, a marvel in terms of engineering, in terms of getting a tower built that height yeah. and, and that ornate with that many columns. Um, so yeah, you know, the thing that people have to remember is that Pisa used to be on the, on the water, right? And it, the, the bay silted up. And so a lot of that land that, pieces on is a little sandy and marshland yeah. and so when they built the tower on it of course eventually it's not made to you know yeah hold that load from leaning over and uh but it's an interesting thing i mean we've all seen it we all know about it so we're all gonna take that picture i know yeah. i know people are gonna take that picture yeah, when they see trying it. to hold it up oh yeah, yeah you know i've seen guys on the lawn with their feet in the air trying to hold it up with their feet with their backs i know exactly you know don't be embarrassed if you want to take that picture because oh, everybody yeah. else does oh, you're there yeah when are you going to be there again to do it you got to do it when you're there yeah and, and that's the thing is we're in the area so we might as well go see pisa i mean to not see it um it's one of those things that when you see a picture of it you know exactly what it is oh yeah so not no, to go there and yeah. see it i think would be a you know, an injustice for the tour. To, so we were to leaning to going there, basically. So, yeah, we leaned to go there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then from... Uh, <laughs> Bob, the builder, lay off. Yeah, he's going, man. He's okay, going. anyway. And, uh, you know, the next day we have a free... Um, uh, sorry, the next day we, we do the agro-turismo again. Okay. We do a different one with a wine tasting and a dinner. There we go again. So, and then... Uh, the next morning we have free in Florence. So an opportunity for your people to go walk around at their leisure again, enjoy some time away from the group. Um, you know, we have enough group activities. As you mentioned before, we also like to include enough time for people to do stuff, stuff on their yep. own, go to a, you know, I always like going to a market, you know, wherever the old market is. I like to go and have a coffee and watch the world go by. Yeah, and you could do that. You could on do the that. You could do that too. Absolutely. So there's lots of things to do during your free time, and then that afternoon we're going to check out and we're going to go to Bologna, and uh, Bologna is a place that a lot of people don't really think about, but that region of Emilia Romagna, where Bologna is the capital, a lot of the food that we're used to, a lot of the foods that we know and enjoy, like Parma ham, what's it, prosciutto, sure, Parmesan cheese, uh, balsamic vinegar of Modena, is all from that area. 
And walking through Bologna, through the food markets, the amount of different pastas you see, for a person who, you know, enjoys food and enjoys markets, you walk through there, you're going to see stuff that you've never seen before in terms of different, and you walk into one of those uh, delis there, the guy's got like 200 prosciuttos hanging from the ceiling, you know, plus all the different hams, all the different meats. And then you go to the next store and it's all different types of pasta, some you've never even seen before. Right. It's just overwhelming for the senses to go through there. And of course, the restaurants in Bologna, as you can imagine, being a food capital, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable food there. Um, and uh, for the evening time, all these little bars and that you can just hop from one to another, have a little plate, have a drink, go to the next one, have a little plate. Have oh, a yeah. Drink. Uh, that's the type of thing that I like to do in a place like that. And, uh, uh, you know, Bologna also has, uh, you know, one of the oldest universities in the world. And we'll do a tour of Bologna and we'll stop and, and see where that university is. They have a, a little amphitheater that they built where, you know, they would bring in uh, a dead body and they would dissect it. And that's how they used to teach the medical there. And they still have that. Uh, is that part of our tour? Or yeah, it no? is. They okay. still have the theater there. Oh, and okay. Yeah, right. we, if you want a volunteer to go on the table, yeah. I'm sure we can get a student or two to cut you open. <laughs> that might be interesting. Um, For you. Yeah, sure. And, you know... <laughs> But Bologna itself, uh, the square there is uh, unbelievable. They have a little speaker's corner. Okay. And I've seen the same guy, like I've gone there maybe six, seven times over 10 years. And it's the same guy all the time with his little, he has a little stool. Right. So he puts the stool in the square. He stands on it and he starts talking. Right. He'll talk for 15 minutes. Then he'll get off the stool. Uh-huh. And then the next guy can go on the stool and rebut or, you know, talk about whatever he wants. Yeah. So that's always interesting to watch the people there around it, looking at them. Um, there's also a big statue of uh, Neptune. Um, or is it Poseidon? Which one is the Roman one? I think it's Neptune. I th that's, a, that's good. Yeah, I think, I think Poseidon it's Neptune. is, the, Poseidon Greek is the Greek one. Yeah. So it's the same god, just a different name. Yeah. And so in Bologna, there is a statue of him that uh, holding his trident. Okay. And the trident is also, the top of the trident is also the symbol of Maserati because it comes from that area. There you go. But that whole area is famous for its car production. Like, I'm talking like super fast car production. We're talking Lamborghinis, Maseratis, Ferraris, yep. as well as bicycles like Ducatis. Um, so that area there is very famous for its motorsports. And one of the things that we're going to do uh, on day eight, the, the next day, uh, from Bologna is we're going to do a little day trip to Marinello and uh, to see the Ferrari Museum. Hmm. And uh, Marinello is where Enzo Ferrari started his uh, factory to build cars. Right. And it still has a little, the museum itself has a little area showing what his office used to look like. And then they have displays of cars road vehicles as well as racing vehicles all through the history of Ferrari. And I mean, uh, including, you know, a, a gallery that has all the cars that Schumacher won races with, won the, won the championships with. Wow. And, you know, above it has all the trophies that Ferrari has won over the years in motorsports. Uh, they also have a little area where it's a pit stop area where you could practice 
changing the tires on a vehicle. Um, and they also have simulators where you could sit in the simulator of an F1 car and you can select the track, any one of the tracks around the world where the F1 races are, and you could sit in there and, and give it a try. And it actually, you know, the, the simulator gives you the G forces and the bumps really? and everything else. It's quite something. So for those that are interested in trying to see what it would be like to uh, drive a, a Formula One car, that's probably as close as you're going to get without actually getting on the track with the Formula One car. What if somebody's full of bologna? <laughs> what are they? Uh, w- once you're done that, where are we going to go after that? Well, we're also going to a balsamic vinegar. Oh, nice. So the vinegar will smoothen it out for you. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go to a balsamic vinegar producer that morning as well. And uh, it's quite interesting. Like we always, we use these products every day and we don't think about how they're made. That's right. And balsamic takes like 10 years to make huh. because you use the must of the so the must is what's left over after you press the grapes and everything else. Right. And so they put the must in barrels and they, they get a liquid from it and then it's got to sit there for 10 years and it evaporates in one barrel. Then they pour it into the next evaporates and they pour it into the next to get balsamic. But we're not talking like the balsamic that we buy at the store here. Right. We're talking balsamic where a little bottle is 200 bucks. Okay. You know, this is high grade stuff. And then they have different types of balsamic. There's one that's actually sweet. Hmm. And the sweet syrupy balsamic, they, you know, use it on Parmesan cheese. They just spread it on it and you eat it just with the Parmesan cheese and that uh, syrupy balsamic. Sounds great to me. And the meal we have there, every course has balsamic in it. And I can't uh, believe I threw a great well, joke. I out. just okay. kept on going, Brent. Good for you. I kept on going. By the way, I got to write these bad jokes down on a piece of paper so I don't repeat them on the bus trip. Well, they're pretty cheesy. I know. Oh, good. Look at you. Just shred me like that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. And so that sweet vinegar, they also, you know, we used to get ice cream. Maybe we'll get ice cream as a dessert again. And they pour it on the ice cream and you wouldn't know it's balsamic vinegar. And wow. it makes the ice cream taste so good. It's, you don't. You know, you never realize these things until you actually do it, right? So after those tours, we go back to Bologna. Uh, We're in Bologna two nights there. And then the next day we check out uh, for Verona. Okay. But on the way we go to Venice. And Venice, of course, I mean, what do we need to say about Venice? Uh, Everybody knows Venice, the canals, the gondolas, uh, you know, St. Mark's Square, the Rialto Bridge, uh, so we get to Venice, uh, we park the bus, we go to a private boat, it takes us to St. Mark's Square, we meet a guide, we do a, a little tour of the central area of Venice, um, and then after that, you're on your own to walk the little alleys, you know, find okay. the little bridges. Um, you can also take a gondola ride. So the gondola ride is the same cost whether you go four people, six people, two people the same okay it's a maximum of six people four comfortably you know when it's six they have two little stools in the middle it's not as comfortable for those two so i would say four maximum okay and uh they do 30 minute and 45 minute of course one's a little more expensive than the other but you're there again it's something that you might want to do yeah um so you you know i can't see anybody not doing that if you went to venice because hey listen we've all seen it we've all seen people we know go on these trips it's it's a special moment in a special place yeah and you know uh the tower in saint mark's square yeah um if you have a chance to go up it uh beautiful uh, view of the whole 
area, you could really see how Venice is built in the, it's in the lagoon and it's yeah. built on piles. Like it's not on steady ground. It's all, the whole area is built on wooden piles that have petrified over the years. So it's solid. Yeah. And uh, they really rely on the Adriatic Sea to come in and clean out the lagoon. Yeah. You know, because they don't have any water treatment. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but Venice itself, again, it's one of those iconic cities in the world that when you mention Venice, everybody knows what you're talking about. Everybody knows about the canals, the history, uh, how it was a huge maritime and merchant power in the medieval ages. And uh, really that whole area of Northern Italy uh, heavily influenced by Venice. That's for sure. And Verona. I've heard so many wonderful things about Verona. Yeah, Verona. I love Verona. It's one of my favorite cities in Italy. Um, simply because I love the compact city center. Right. Um, they have a huge arena, the Verona arena, which is like the Coliseum, but not as big, okay. but more intact. And is that uh, where their American hockey league team played <laughs> in Verona? No, just <laughs> kidding. All right. And the, the arena, uh, they use it for a concerts. And so Pavarotti's sang there many times. They use it for plays like Carmen and, you know, Anthony and Cleopatra and all that. Sometimes when we're there, we could see, uh, they have the staging outside of the arena and the crane to lift it in, you know, for wow. the performances, right? Yeah. So um, it's also very famous, of course, for Romeo and Juliet, written by William Shakespeare. Um, and uh, there is a house there that they've, it's not the real house because Romeo and Juliet are fictional characters, but they have a house there with a little balcony that they say it's Juliet's house. Sure. And uh, so... They have a beautiful, charming squares. The Piazza dell'Erbe is one of my favorite squares in Europe. And uh, a lovely pedestrian street uh, where there's uh, beautiful shops. Verona, to me, is, again, one of those cities that you know you're in Italy when you're walking around. There's no doubt about it that the architecture, the people, the little cafes, again, walk in, have a little cappuccino. And, again, that's Piazza dell'Erbe square, uh, is full of life and the buildings around it are just fantastic. And again, the food, amazing. Okay. From there, where are we going to go? From there, uh, we're going up uh, to uh, Innsbruck. Okay. And uh, we're going to stay in Innsbruck. It's just a quick stop for the evening. Um, and So we're going up through Bolzano, is it? We're like, uh, we going to go up? Through northern Italy, yeah, into we go through Bolzano up into Innsbruck and ah, the Alps. Yeah. So we'll okay. be staying in the Alps uh, in uh, Innsbruck, and Innsbruck is famous, of course, for the Golden Roof. Uh, we can walk uh, downtown and see the Golden Roof. It's also the capital of the region of Tyrolia in uh, Austria, and it held the Olympics in '64 and '76. So right. a, a city that's held the Winter Olympics twice. So it's an interesting city, and um, so. Uh, again, it's just a quick stop on the way to our next stop, which is Munich. Wow. And Munich, obviously. Hopefully something's going on there. Yeah, it's September in Munich. It could only mean one thing in the end of September in Munich, and that is Oktoberfest. And Oktoberfest has been going on in Munich since 1810. It's a huge, it's people's festival. They call it a Volksfest. But it's also a huge beer festival. And there's uh, beer served during Oktoberfest. There's a lot of beer and pretzels and things like that and okay. roast chickens and uh, sauerkraut, I'm sure, and roast pork. So we're going to stop in Munich. Uh, it's about a hour and a half drive, two hour drive from Innsbruck. We'll get there in the mid morning 
And the Oktoberfest grounds are right in the center of town, okay. close to the train station. So we'll probably get left off by the train station there. And then you got two choices. You could spend your day at Oktoberfest the whole day. Or, or you could get a bit of a sample of it and then maybe... Yeah, go downtown. The okay. downtown is only a few blocks away. You can walk into uh, Marion Platz and see the, the Rat House, the, the big city hall. Um, and then you can go even farther if you want. You can go to the Hofbra House, which is also a beer hall, a famous beer hall in Munich, and yep. go there for a quick beer. So uh, that afternoon, evening early evening uh, you'll have all free in munich to do what you want i'll be catching up with my good close personal friend alfonso davies while we're there yeah and that would be fantastic so if somebody would like to uh, he doesn't know that he's a close personal friend of mine no. yet but you know we'll we'll see if we can knock on his door yeah that would be an amazing thing to do uh, i'll work on it okay Brent. put that down with sophia yeah, loren I'll, I'll, add, I'll add it to your add list that, add that to my list of I'll gotta see the pope sophia loren yeah, exactly. alfonso davies yeah yeah you want me to dig up Mozart in the next uh, one? Well, let's uh, let's save that bad joke for when yeah, we get you know to Vienna. Yeah, I know what's coming. All right, okay. But yeah, from uh, from there, after we're done with the Oktoberfest, we go to Salzburg that evening. Okay. And Salzburg, of course, as I you know mentioned, uh, is very famous for Mozart and music. And uh, go ahead, you might as well get it out of the I way. I just wanted to say that Mozart is my favorite decomposer. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to dig him up when we're there. But not a goodie. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see if we can dig him up when we're That's there. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> Although his his burial spot is actually in Vienna. The, in Vienna. Yes, it is. Yeah. But his family has a plot in uh in Salzburg. Okay. Uh so in Salzburg again, Salzburg to me is again a perfect size city for walking around, seeing things full of history. Uh, you know, they have the Hohen Salzburg Fortress that was, uh, the, you know, the, the town of Salzburg during feudal times was run by a prince archbishop. And they got very rich from the trade of salt. Uh, salt from the nearby hills uh, was mined as early early by the Celts and then right. later on by, you know, in medieval times. Salt was very important because you didn't have refrigeration. You needed it to uh, not only season food, but also to preserve food. Uh, so salt was extremely important. It was called white gold because of its value. Right. And so you can imagine somebody that controlled the salt trade in medieval Europe, central Europe, got very wealthy. And so Salzburg, a lot of the buildings in Salzburg built by the Prince Archbishops, including the residence, the cathedral, and the huge Owen Salzburg fortress that overlooks the city. When we were there, uh, and that's two years ago now, uh, I know they filmed The Sound of Music there. Yes. This, this is back in the 60s. This movie is uh, is a classic. It's iconic, yeah. Yeah. And More here than there, to be honest. Well, the funny part is, and, I, and this, the only reason I'm bringing it up was because I asked a few people in Salzburg about the movie. And uh, they all told me the same thing. For the first 20 years after the movie came out, they kind of didn't want to have anything to do with it. Now they've come to realize, because here it is, that movie came out in the 60s, and here we are, you know, in 2022, People still want to see certain things. They've come to accept it. They're certainly monetizing it off, oh, off of sure. it with the tours and everything. But you uh, you will recognize an awful lot. That's the best part about history. A lot of the places that you might have seen in a movie back in the '60s are the same now. Oh, they're the same. It's yeah. it's amazing to me. Yeah, but you could it, you could sing around that Pegasus Fountain from the movie. Uh, you can see the Mirabelle Gardens. 
Uh, you can walk downtown and see the horse fountains. Uh, oh, yeah. You could see the residence square, uh, the cathedral, the Hohenzollernsberg Fortress. It's all there. And the shopping on their main little drag, as my mom used to call yeah, it. Yeah, the Getrida Gasa. It's, it's unbelievable. The other thing that I, I loved was that all the signage has to be a certain style. Yes. That matches the architecture of the main street. And even McDonald's, the McDonald's sign with their golden uh, arches is done so delicately and not so boldly as it would yeah. be in any other place. It really is a special place. Yeah, the metallic signs go back to medieval times when people couldn't read. Yeah. And so you had to hang a sign outside your shop with a fish if you sold fish. Yeah. You know, and so forth. You know, if you made bread, you had a little sign, metallic sign with, with a loaf of bread or with a bottle of liquor or whatever you sold, right? Yes. And that's how people knew, oh, you know, Griffiths. Right. Oh, look, Griffiths is selling booze now. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Better get there before there's still some left. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Salzburg is a fantastic place. Um, uh, again, great place to wander. Uh, a lot of Christmas stuff, too, as well. Uh, you can go into a lot of stores that sell Christmas eggs that are painted, uh, that sort of thing. Even in September. And a lot of wooden uh, toys, wooden uh, religious items as well, like crucifixes and things like that. Uh, so again, and of course Mozart. Yeah, once you again, to, you can go to Mozart's birthplace there and see where he was born. Yeah, it's a big yellow building. It's you won't miss it. I think they have his first harpsichord there. I, I'm not joking. Yeah, I, I know that yeah. I joke a lot on the on these podcasts, yeah, but think, I'm not joking on that one. You know what? I, all the years I've gone over there, Bryn, I've never gone to see you know his birthplace home. But I, they do have a lot of, uh, you know. Uh, furniture and a lot of uh you know what fascinated fascinated me about the place is the doorbell system I'm yes. not, i don't want to say too much more about it but yes when you're there yes. take a look at the front of the uh it's about a three or four story building yes and look at the doorbell method that they have that they still use that i thought was just great just fantastic but then we're going to go from Salzburg. We're going into another place that is one of my all-time favorite cities. Well, before that, Bryn, we go to okay. Hohenwerfen Castle. Yes. On the way out from Salzburg to Vienna, we're okay. stopping at Hohenwerfen. And Hohenwerfen is a medieval rock castle, uh, 623 meters above the town of Werfen in the Alps. And it's a real castle. It's not like the one Neuschwanstein or something like that. Those are fairy tale castles that were built in the 1800s. No, this is an actual castle. Okay. So you're going into an authentic castle. You could, the nice thing I like about it too, is they're not uh, worried about you touching things. They have the armor and stuff. You can touch it. You can touch uh, everything. You can go up to the bell tower and touch the bells and everything else. And it's one of my favorite castles in Europe to visit just because of that, because it's an actual castle that, you know, you could still, in, you know, walk through as a and, and it functions as a castle. Yeah. And part of that functioning uh, aspect that it has at that castle is the birds of prey. They have falcons, eagles, uh, albatrosses, all these different types of uh, birds that the falconers there still work with on a daily basis. And one of the nice things about visiting Hohenwerfen Castle is that at about 11 o'clock during the morning, they have a birds of prey exhibition where they show how they work with the birds, you know, and the birds come fly out of the castle oh, wow. uh, windows and you, Swoop and you see in. these big, uh, you know, uh, wings coming down. You're like, oh my God, how big is this bird? And, you know, it flies by and, uh, you know, the falconers work with them and everything else. 
And the ones from here, like the vultures, the big vultures, when they land, they walk. They walk back up to the castle. All the way? Yeah. Really? From the courtyard. And so they're walking amongst you. And these things are like two and a half, three feet tall. And you're like, this is not a bird to be messed with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you got to do a double take when it comes past you. Cause you're like, okay, this bird could probably do some damage if it really wanted to. You just look at the talons on it and you look at the beak on it and you're like, ah, that's not to be messed with. So it's quite an experience, uh, you know, to see those birds and to see how they control them. And, uh, uh, it's just, to, and then to be in the Alps in that courtyard with all the mountains around you, you know, uh, it's got a certain feel about oh, it. Oh, it just, it's something totally unique. If you thought America had talents. Yeah. This, this <laughs> place has got better talents, deeper talents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you're full of them, Brad. Uh, you know what? I don't know what I had for lunch today, hey, but it's good. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Man. It's good. So next. Um, so one of the things too about Salzburg is on that same media site that I have. And right. for those that are joining our tour, we're going to have a page dedicated just for our tour uh, on our website with okay. a password. And on there as well, I'll put some of these links to places that we're going to so that you can read up on them and information. But one Excellent. of the things I have on there as well is I have a little story that I wrote uh, for Todayville about Salzburg. And you could read it and look at all the interesting things that there is to see along the way during our walking tour and maybe some things that you might want to go back and see as well, as well as some things you may want to try in terms of food and drink okay. in Salzburg. All right. Um, from there, we go to Vienna. And uh, uh, once we get to Vienna, uh, we, uh, you know, do Hundert Fosser. Hundert uh, Fosser is a, a local artist uh, who built a lot of different uh, objects, including an apartment building. And the thing with Hundred Foster is he believes that everything has to be similar to nature, going back to nature. So that means that there's no right angles in houses and no flat floors, you know, because nature's not flat. Nature's not perfectly square. Yeah. Um, and so we go to one of the houses that he uh, designed that is now a, a residential apartment um, in Vienna as well as we'll go uh, to uh, the Ringstrasse. On the Ringstrasse, you have the city hall, which is majestic, beautiful city hall, the parliament building, uh, Greek style. Yep. You have the Hofburg Palace. You have the museums um, uh, nearby as well, all on the Ringstrasse that goes around the central area of uh, Vienna. Uh, there's the Prater Amusement Park. Uh, we'll also go to um, uh, the main square where St. Stephen's Cathedral is. Yeah, beautiful. And that central area, you can walk easily from there to the Ringstrasse area, to the Hofburg and around without much difficulty. Um, and it's Vienna, again, has that different ambiance. It's an ambiance of a classy city. You know, it's a very imperial city. Yeah. You know, the Opera House is very famous. The soccer hotel next door has a famous soccer tort that people may want to try. Yep. And, uh, you know, the coffee houses in Vienna are very, um, very important to the culture of the city. All the way back to the days of Mozart and Freud and a lot of famous Austrian thinkers and musicians, Strauss, they met at these cafes. They talked, they, you know, developed their theories, they developed their music um, together. 
and you could still go to some of those same cafes. That's the the interesting part about it. One of the coffee shops, Strauss, planned one of his European tours at, there you go. with the Rolling Stones, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> with the Rolling Stones. They've been around that long. So <laughs> Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Keith Richards, I think, backed up Mozart once. <laughs> <laughs> on a harpsichord but it's a beautiful city i absolutely adored it yeah uh, i can't i can't say enough about it i wish we had longer there but you know what it's uh if you've never had the opportunity to go there this is your chance and for you brain it'll be different than winter going there in the summertime it was a bit brisk the day uh, we were there you know the other thing is uh, belvedere castle uh, belvedere palace sorry. yes it's one of the places that we'll stop to as well and just the grounds from there and the view from there to the downtown is quite you know it's spectacular it's it's spectacular vienna is a beautiful city yeah, you i know, know. So, like i say it's an imperial city it's a beautiful city it's uh, a jaw-dropping city that's the best way for me to describe it because everywhere you turn and you look you go oh my god i can't believe how beautiful that is yeah oh look at this place oh wow look yeah. at that i mean it's just i i was so impressed with vienna on our tour I can't and, begin to tell you. And the one nice thing about going in the summertime, Bryn, is that in the evening we can go to the Prater Amusement Park. Okay. And the Prater Amusement Park is open till late in the evening. It's not only rides and things like that, but you just walk through there and see it all. And, of course, there's a beer garden there as well. You can go for an evening beer and you can have your uh, dinner there as well. They have different types of food. One of the most famous one, of course, is the pork hock. Yeah. You know, that they cook there. Um, and that pork hock will feed three people easily. Wow. It's uh, well, it's a lot of meat, man. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's an interesting city, as you mentioned, lots of things to do. Um, and then uh, the next day we'll depart early in the morning for Budapest so that we can maximize our time in Budapest. Uh, we'll go early in the morning. We'll arrive in Budapest, meet our guide as soon as we come into town. Right. Um, do a tour of Budapest have free time on Vachi Street. Uh, when we do our tour, we'll go to Heroes Square, the Parliament. We'll go to Fisherman's Bastion, of course. And then on Vachi Street, that's where the main walking shopping area is between, there's a square um, uh, at one end of Vachi Street, and then at the other end is the Old Market. You can go into that old market. So it's a main it's a main connection. Yeah, it's a street. traditional. Yeah, it's a traditional main drag. Yeah, of Budapest, right? Okay. And at the end in the market, you can go there and you can buy paprika, a little bag of paprika to bring back home if you like. You know, um, upstairs they have a little market restaurant where you could buy a bowl of Hungarian goulash. You know. Yeah. Uh, so it's a nice afternoon just to walk up and down that pedestrian street, and then they have these. Uh, fancy little jewelry boxes that you can buy that have all these secret compartments, you know, uh, that the, I've bought a couple of those in the past for my nieces and they really enjoyed them as well. And then uh, in the evening, uh, you know, we go to a restaurant that I enjoy in Budapest where, uh, you know, they have a station where you pick the meats that you want. You take it to the grill master. He grills it for you. And wow. It's buffet with all these different Hungarian delicacies and desserts. And uh, you could have wine. You could have whatever you want. All the drinks are included as well. And uh, after that, we'll do a tour of the Danube in the evening. And uh, a tour of the Danube when everything is lit up. All the buildings are lit up in the evening. It's right. a totally different experience than being in Budapest during the day. Okay. And once you get in that boat and you're going on the Danube River and you're looking at the lit up parliament building, 
which I think is the most uh, beautiful parliament building in the world. Uh, then you look on the other side and you have the palace up on the side of uh, the, the hills and the stone bridge, the iron bridge. It's it's a great way to end the tour. A little glass of champagne um, and then uh, that'll be it. That's the tour. And then the, it's a lot. And I guarantee you people won't realize how much we see on this tour until they get home and start looking through pictures because when you're there experiencing it all, it's you're a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. It's a little bit overwhelming. And, you know, once you go through one day, the next day is another adventure and then another adventure. And then, you know, before you realize that the tour is over, but the amount that you've seen in a short period of time is just astounding. Great value for your dollar too on this tour. Here's the thing. We already have a great group coming with us. Yeah, we do. So we want you to come with us and we yeah. want you to bring some friends with you. So don't hesitate and we'll, uh, you know, tell everybody what the website is, too, so people can kind of yeah, check things out. Yeah, the website is azrakan.net. And, again, you can contact me at paul at azrakan.net, or you can give me a call at 780-906-7110. And, uh, again, we're looking to take uh, around mid-30s to, you know, uh, in, in terms of the number of people. We're about 70% sold out already. Um, if you have friends that are interested, they can... Go on our website and get on the priority list to get information. Just indicate on there that they're interested in joining the Europa Classical Tour. They can give me a call. Again, we have a little tour video there that goes through the places that we're going to. It'll give you an idea of where we're going and what we're seeing. So you can see it. You can see it. And then, uh, you know, all you need to do right now is put down a $500 deposit. Uh, that guarantees you a spot on the tour. And again, uh, with the, the global situation that is going on right now, um, you know, we have some time and when it comes to May 15th, that's when we'll, uh, that's our deadline, that's May our deadline. 15th. That's our deadline to get everybody on board and to, uh, uh, buy our airline tickets around that time for September. And, uh, I think it's going to be a great tour. I think it's going to be, uh, uh, a real, you know, trip of a lifetime for people in terms of what they're going to see and experience in a short period of time. If you've not had the opportunity to travel to Europe, this is a great time to do it with a great group. And you guys, how many years have you been doing this? Since 1994. Okay. And we've had some great trips. It's fantastic stuff. Uh, no more bad jokes for me. I'm done. Like I said, I don't know what was in my coffee today. I want to apologize right now. So uh, once again, what's the website? azrakan.net a-z-o-r-c-a-n.net we're done right absolutely okay please come join us you're gonna have a good time i'm telling you it's gonna be a blast <laughs>